0: Hey everybody, welcome back into the KZRG Sports Podcast. I'm Nathan Massey. Today we're gonna to jump right into it and go ahead and talk a little bit more about the College World Series as it continues on. So at first I'll just go ahead and give you the scores from last night. Auburn six, uh, Auburn six, Stanford two. Auburn takes that one, moves on. Ole Miss thirteen to Arkansas five. Uh, there's an elimination game of AM and Notre Dame at one o'clock today on Tuesday. June 21st and then Arkansas takes on Auburn at 6 in an elimination game as well. So the Auburn Stanford game, I mean Stanford, Stanford just couldn't get anything going. Auburn pitched well, played well, good defense overall. They're both like I said yesterday, there's there's good teams all throughout this tournament. Stanford being the number 2 overall seed, pretty disappointing in them. I believe that somewhere it said they were the this was the first time that they had gone to Omaha and had not won a single game. They had made it plenty of times before and at least won once. They got they were two and done this time around. First time that they've experienced that. So that's a tough look for Stanford's baseball program. Just in that sense, obviously still had a great season. Auburn advances, moves on. They played well enough to get there. And yesterday on the podcast, I was pretty high on Arkansas. Ole Miss came out and shut them down. I mean, we were... A two run home run in the ninth when the game was pretty much done with anyways for Arkansas away from a ten run game between Ole Miss and Arkansas. Arkansas just couldn't get anything going. They had opportunities to score some runs, get some offense going. They fought back early. Um Ole Miss kinda jumped out to an early lead on their pitching. I believe Arkansas had used four pitchers by the fifth inning. Not a recipe for success right there. Um you gotta I mean you gotta pitch better. The defense didn't even really have a chance to make any plays behind them. When they did have the chance, I mean they played all they played fine. I, I mean it wasn't just a bunch of errors that kind of did a man just couldn't get out. So it just felt like every every three pitches was a hit or a walk or a hit by pitch, which was something that I know Arkansas struggled with in this in the regionals. And Stillwater kind of had it under control against North Carolina in their super regional, but. They came back to bite them last night, and they're 1-1, and so obviously they're not done yet. They got Auburn tonight. That'll be a good matchup, but Ole Miss, it just, they scored, then Arkansas would score early in the game. It was kind of a back-and-forth thing, and then, like I mentioned, Ole Miss just kept on scoring, and Arkansas didn't. I mean, that's essentially what it came down to. Ole Miss just went out there, kept producing runs, kept making plays, kept throwing the right pitches, getting strike calls, all that good stuff. And they just, I mean, they straight up just won the game. They just beat Arkansas. It wasn't like Arkansas beat themselves. I still think Arkansas is a great team. I still think that they're a dangerous team to come out of that, um, out of the loser's bracket on that side. But, I'm, I mean, like I said, they've got a tough team in Auburn tonight. I think it's kind of crazy how the SEC West is what's standing, um, as I mentioned yesterday. And then another thing about Auburn's win last night, or win yesterday was they were sick. So there was reports that there was eight or nine people, uh, not like under the weather, just not feeling good at all, and I mean throwing up the whole nine yards. Not good. Um, specifically, Auburn's Cole Thompson, who was he was struggling with illness. Well, was they were supposedly he was one of the worst ones that had it, and he still hit the three run double to take the to I believe take the lead or or um, get some insurance runs. Uh, He was even he was down so like he was so sick he was down so bad that he got revived with fluids post game and I don't know how many people out there get revived with fluids after a after an athletic event but that just doesn't sound fun and so to be able to still hit that three run double that's huge for the outcome of that game impressive by these kids to persevere through sickness and make something happen but tonight's games as I mentioned Arkansas and Auburn. I think that's a toss-up. I think Earth's all been playing well. Kind of showed their weakness last night. I think they used a good bit of arms. Hopefully nothing that'll kind of keep them out. Um, I think think I'm still going to stick with Arkansas on this one. An elimination game between A&M and Notre Dame at one. I think I'm going to have to go with Notre Dame on this one, too. A&M's a a great team, obviously. SEC is really dominating. They're really good. I just have a feeling for some reason that Notre Dame is going to pull this one out. And in A&M's year. We'll see how that goes. Again, that's at one o'clock today. <clears throat> but speaking of impressive performances, Garrett Cole lost his no hitter in the ninth or in the eighth inning. This has been something we've talked about here recently. A lot of uh, near no hitters in the MLB recently, which you see those every now and then. Obviously, completing it is one of the the end goal of everything. But we've just seen a lot of ones end late which is I mean devastating for these pitchers. They still the Yankees still uh, won the game. They wrote his performance, got some late runs, some late insurance runs, won the game. And let's talk about the the New York baseball scene for a minute with the the Mets and the Yankees. They're both good again. And I know it sounds crazy to say, and the Yankees haven't necessarily been terrible, but I know we were all we're all used to the Yankees always being in contention, always being in contention. And for the last Four, five, maybe even six, seven, eight years—they just haven't felt the same, haven't been good since, or great, I guess. They hadn't won a World Series in quite some time. The Mets have been terrible for a good amount of years, at least, probably the same around around the same time frame as the Yankees, um, but just well, well less successful, just not nearly as good. They've had Degrom, and they had Cinnegar, and they had. Uh, Matt Harvey. So they had all the pitching, and they had some big names on offense but could never just pull anything together. I know they've, had, For example, they have Pete Alonzo, who's been solid ever since he came into the league. But they're both good again. I mean, they both have the best records in baseball right now. They're the top two records in baseball, I'm pretty sure. The Yankees are the first team to 50 wins, and the Mets look like they're on pace to be second with 45 wins already. When was the last time we talked about the Yankees and the Mets both leading their division? And not even just leading their division, but having healthy leads in their division. It's been a while, at least as far as I can remember. And obviously I know I'm not, and probably nobody listening to this pod's from the New York area. But just paying attention to baseball if you're a baseball fan. The Yankees are one of those teams that everybody loves to hate, right? Everybody hates the Yankees. Nobody, If you, you either absolutely love them or you absolutely hate them, there's very little in between. Very rarely do you hear somebody say, oh, I'm all right with the Yankees. They don't really bother me. No, you either love them or you hate them. So for them to be good again is probably good for the sport. I mean, it just gives everybody bigger reasons to hate the Yankees just to, to have that team that they kind of would just want to beat. They want to be the team that puts them out in the playoffs. They want to be the team that ends their season. They want to be the team that prevents them from winning their, what, 28th World Series. And then the Mets just being up there, I think finally they're winning some games for Jacob DeGrom, who has been probably one of the best pitchers of all time over the last five years. When you're looking at a five-year stretch for any player, DeGrom's pitching performance over the last five years has got to be top of that list, or at least in your top three to five as far as five-year ranges go. But So it's good that the Mets are finally getting some wins for DeGrom and just for their franchise in general. They're finally putting things together. We'll see how long they can last. We're not yet to the All-Star break. Lots of crazy things can happen. Seasons turn around. You never really know. But we'll see how that goes. I think the Yankees, they might actually have a chance to win it all this year. I think the Mets, are like I said, both teams are playing really good ball. Both have big-time leads. I believe the the Mets are, I believe, four and a half games up. The Yankees have a 12-game lead. Or my fault. The Mets are five and a half games on top. And the Yankees are twelve games ahead of the Blue Jays, but when you're looking at that, you're kind of thinking, "Oh, well, they play the maybe their division's not so good. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're not really that great. Just the teams behind them are not that great." The AL East is the first, the first division in baseball to all have thirty wins. I mean, if and if that doesn't tell you that that's a solid division from top to bottom, then I don't know what will. So. They're good. I mean, we we hate it. Like I said, we all hate the Yankees. Everyone hates the Yankees, but we have to admit they are a good. They're a good team. They're in a good division. They're still winning. They're fifty and seventeen on the year, twenty nine and seven at home. I mean, they even have a hundred and forty five run differential. That's insane. That's impressive. I'm scrolling through the list right now. I'm not seeing anybody else even close, other than the Dodgers, who are at one fourteen, and we all know how good the Dodgers are as well. Mets five and a half games up on Atlanta. 24 and 10 at home, you know, 72 run differential. They're playing some good balls, 7 and 3 in their last 10. They're also in a pretty solid division if you kind of take out the, I mean, the, Nash, or the, yeah, the Nationals aren't very good this year, and the Marlins are all right. But other than that, I mean, they're still winning games against good teams, and they're still producing. So we kind of need to keep our eye on the New York baseball scene and see if the Yankees can maintain it or if they choke or if they go for 28 or what they can accomplish this year. But speaking of greats, let's move on to Katie Ledecky. I don't know how many people are really following this right now. I know it's not the Olympics, so maybe it's not as big a deal to some people as it is to others. But Katie Ledecky wins her 17th world title across all the events. Obviously in swimming, women's swimmer, I'm very clearly, if you all don't know her, that's what she is or that's what she does. Um, They have a host of different events as far as distances, as far as the different types of strokes you can do, all that good stuff. So she wins her seventeenth world title across all the events, so or at least the ones she she involves herself in that she competes in, including four straight in the fifteen hundred meter freestyle. So let's talk about this fifteen hundred meter freestyle event that she won the other night. She swam that in fifteen minutes thirty seconds or thirty point fifteen seconds. Okay. So if you're wondering, first of all, let's talk about how impressive it is to swim at a high rate of speed for fifteen minutes. 15 and a half minutes even. I can't do that. I doubt anybody really listening to this pod can do that. There's a reason that she can do that and that nobody else can and the reason we're talking about her. 1,500 meters, for example, just to give you a little insight of this, is 4,921 feet. And for some of you, you're kind of like, okay, maybe a visual aid will help me, maybe something that I can see or, or think about will kind of help me realize the distance. She is swimming 16.4 football fields in 15 minutes. I don't know if I could run 16.4 football fields in 15 minutes. I mean, that is insane. This lady is moving through the water. And you're like, okay, maybe some time reference. Give me a little bit of where where's the time rank. Like, how, how really quick is that? Well The second place finisher finished 14.74 seconds behind her. The second place, not last place. This wasn't like... One lady swam the wrong direction for a little bit and came in last, and she beat her by 15 seconds. This was the second-place finisher. My goodness, this lady was... Katie Ledecky was flying. I mean, props to the second-place finisher, also a fellow American, 16-year-old Katie Grimes. That's crazy. 16 years old, and you're competing for world championships and U.S. championships and probably in the Olympics in the near future. When you're second-place to only Katie Ledecky and you're 16 years old you're going to start being talked about. I think this is going to be one of those new duos, kind of similar to how Ryan Lochte and Michael Phelps were for a little while as far as the men's swimming, um, like the U.S. men's swimming team. But this is just the women's version of them is what it looks like it's going to be. I think Katie Ledecky is going to very clearly continue to dominate for the foreseeable future. And then Katie Grimes maybe takes over from her. And I, we, as a radio person and a, as somebody who's in marketing and all that good stuff, Having both Katie's, I can just hear the potential and the and the marketing schemes that's going to come from them. So Katie Ledecky and Katie Grimes, shout out to y'all. Y'all had an impressive run yesterday, um, or at least over the last couple of days in y'all's competition. But Katie Ledecky's getting up there. She's one of the most decorated women in, in U.S. history as far as gold medals, silver medals, total overall medal count, world championship medals. And she's only going to continue with the Olympics coming up in the next couple years. I I I assume she's going to dominate there as well. Katie Grimes, maybe this is your turn to establish yourself out there and get your name out there big time and learn from Katie Ledecky. Obviously, you're on the same team. Hopefully, they have a good relationship. Learn from her and continue your dominance because you've got as of right now you've got about 15 seconds to make up, but you've got a lot of time in your career, so you'll be just fine. But I, I, I'm i interested to see how Katie Ledecky does. I mean, just the dominance she's held over the sport for the last few years has been really impressive. Just to even think about winning a, a race, in any race, by that large against the top competition in the world is just absolutely ludicrous to think about. So, shout out to Katie Ledecky and also Katie Grimes as well. So, NHL... Colorado Avalanche is up two to one on Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay Lightning won their game last night. I know Tampa Bay has won the last two, um, as far as the overall Stanley Cups, and they won six to two last night. So they may have heard my podcast from yesterday, saying that you could pack it up, you could seal it in. The series is over. Avalanche are dominating. Tampa Bay Lightning said, "No, sir." So they came out and they they flashed their guns. They showed what they were about. They said, "We're not here because of a fluke." We're a good team, too. 6-2. Just a demoralizing... When you're up 2 nothing and you're trying to get that 3-0 lead, which is almost statistically impossible to come back from if you look at just the history and pretty much all major sports as far as having a 3-0 lead in a seven-game series. And the Lightning said, 6-2. We're going to throw six goals on you, see what you do about it. And the Avalanche didn't do very much about it. They pulled their goalie late in the game. Kind of got embarrassing, just... So maybe Tampa Bay has some momentum going into the rest of the series. Maybe they take game two. Maybe they eat or game four. They even up the series two to two. Let's see what the Lightning can do. They're a good team. Avalanche, come on y'all! I was I was riding high with y'all yesterday. I told you, I told everybody how good you were. Let's see y'all back it up now. And some new some new news that has come out here recently in the last day or so is Brooks Kepka is the latest to leave the PGA Tour for that LIV. Or live, I'm not sure. Um, I guess it depends on how you want to pronounce that. But he's leaving the PGA for the live tour. We've talked about that on a couple of pods. I wrote an article on it. Just the difference between the tournaments, the different styles. I, we talked about a little bit how maybe there you would see some guys continue to transfer over due to the price purses, due to some of the rules of the game. Brooks Kepka, as far as golf goes, he's kind of one of the younger more fun, kind of um, out-there kind of guys. I I see him fitting in in the LIV Tour very well. I think he was one of those guys that was obviously accepted in the PGA and has been good for the last few years. But he wasn't just like the poster boy of PGA-type golf. So I think he'll do good. I think he'll be really fun to watch in this LIV Tour once he gets started competing over there. Obviously, joins Phil Mickelson, Um a few other big names that y'all might know. Um, but he's going to get over there. And I'm, again, I'm just, this has been an in, interesting thing in golf. We're not used to golf being really talked about that much in the sense of off the field type things. Some more guys have come out making comments about the PGA, the LIV, which one's better, which one's worse, why and how. But only time will tell to see how many people really move over or really stay with the PGA or really move over to the LIV. See if they can coincide together, see if there can be a common ground reach for these golfers that maybe they do want to compete in the PGA because it's the PGA Tour and everybody grows up wanting to play for them. Or maybe they want to move over to the LIV Tour where the price the price purses are bigger, The more it's more fun, kind of more hectic, kind of a little bit more fan-friendly. Maybe that's their style of golf. So we'll see how they coincide. We'll see if they kind of, I think a good start to that is the LIV Tour kind of counting for world rankings and stuff like that, but that is far from the end game of these two tournaments, these two series getting along. But anyways, I want to talk about something that happened with me yesterday, a realization that I had, right? So I got on here yesterday, and I said Arkansas would win. They didn't. I believe I got on here and said that Stanford would win, and they didn't. And I got on here, and as I just mentioned a minute ago, I said the Avalanche would potentially sweep this series, I think I threw myself a little bit of leeway there and said that they may take it to a fifth or sixth game, but that they were packing it in, series is over, write it off, avalanche win, it's only a matter of how many games. And they lost 6-2. to two. Now that one's not finalized yet, obviously, but that's something I'm having to get used to. I'm used to talking with my buddies, you know, we're all kind of talking to each other, talking about who we think is gonna win. Maybe getting a little bit of argument. Maybe my team's better. Your team's better. I'm right. You're wrong. You know, playful banter with the boys as far as who's gonna win the game. Why are they gonna win the game? What player's the best? All this kind of conversation. But actually putting this stuff on air for y'all to listen to, for y'all to hear, and hopefully none of y'all bet on my word yesterday as far as going to the sports book and betting every team that I told you to. Because if you did, I'm I'm sorry. We're going to try to improve. I don't like being wrong. Nobody likes being wrong. So we're going to try and work on that a little bit here. But I'll say this first and foremost, as I've always said what you hear me say, make your own decisions on your betting. I'm not responsible for anybody's betting. It's your money, not mine. If you want to take my word for it, go for it. But I'm not guaranteeing always the best results. I avoid betting. Not my thing. Also, I'm a college athlete. It would be very illegal even if it was my thing. Can't do it. Won't do it. But. Anyways, it's just kind of eye-opening. Of course, as I grew up, I always took in sports media, watched all the ESPN shows, watched all the Fox shows, watched all the pre-games, watched all the post-games, watched all the games. I'm a big sports fan. That's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm here talking to you all about sports every day. And I remember growing up thinking like, oh, how how could this analyst possibly think that this team's going to win? How could this journalist possibly think that this player is better than this player? And now I'm sitting here, and I'm on the other side of things for once, and it's a very humbling experience for anybody out there that's never had it. Because I will forever be on air on these last few episodes. It's it, you, Anybody can always find it and say, man, he was really wrong on June 20th or June 19th. And it's like, yeah, I was. And now it's on public record that I was. So now I'm starting to get a little bit more respect. And I want—I won't say respect. I've always respected him. A little bit more realistic view of these analysts, of these people that go on TV, on radio, on podcast, write for different news companies or write for different teams. And kind of the reality of they're just like us. We're all wrong at some point when it comes to whose team's better, what team's better, why we think this team's going to win. And now I'm one of those people, and that's just been a very eye-opening experience. So like I said, don't take my word for everything as far as betting. If you want to, I appreciate it. Go for it. But um, yeah, it's been a it's it's a eye opening experience. It's something new. I very much enjoy it. Just wanted to kind of share those thoughts with you. Also, maybe one day if y'all experience it too out there, if you're listening, or maybe one day um, if you do tra- if you do take my word for things and it doesn't go so well, I am now also on record saying you should not have done that to begin with. But anyways, that's about all I've got today. This is the KZRG Sports Podcast. I'm Nathan Massey. And I'll see you next time.